back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. The one you are currently listening to. <laughs> and that other voice over there is Alex. The other voice? That's Jess. It's me. And our life is pretty crazy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like that's where that was going for a minute. Yeah, I love I love that. And my life is pretty crazy. <laughs> for some reason, I love doing like the fakely professional intro. Like, yeah, y- you know what I mean. Like where we're trying to sound right, normal, but this doesn't sound normal at all. Right. Uh, 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 uh. I mean, someone once asked me if I DJed weddings, so. Not from this podcast, but when I was hosting trivia, uh-huh. they're like, are you like a wedding DJ? And I'm like, no. <laughs> what no. would your DJ name be? Um, ooh. Ooh. I know I put you on the spot for this, so I'm trying to think of one for you, too. My first one was DJ Sad Boy, but... <laughs> um, that makes sense. But also, it could be... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. If you can think of any, a DJ name Bach for Alex, 2.0. please uh, tag at Detroit Strange. <laughs> yes. What is my DJ name? Yeah, that would please be fantastic. let a hoe know so I can start a new. And I'll DJ your wedding. Give me a name and I'll DJ your wedding. And if you're not getting married, he'll just DJ on a Zoom call for okay. you. Yeah. <laughs> Remix. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, so what's new with you? Um, what is new with me? Uh, oh, well, I do have to mention. So last week I mentioned that I got a lovely set of socks. Yes. And they're so cozy. I'm actually wearing them again today. Very cozy. Love them. Then like two days after we recorded, I got another piece of mysterious mail and it was a bit bigger. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was a damn toaster oven, a beautiful toaster oven. And when I read the note, first of all, it said, I think from a Detroit Strange fan uh-huh. or a fan of Detroit Strange, one of those two things. And yeah. I was like, ooh, fan mail. And yes. then my sleuthing led me to other parts of the the thing. And I was like, thank you, Alex's mom. <laughs> yeah, she just she's like, listen to the episode. I heard you talk about how she wanted a toaster oven. And like during Lent, she tries to do the acts, random acts of kindness. She's like, oh. I'm going to send Jess a toaster oven. It was so sweet. I was like crying <laughs> yeah i'm glad you liked it and like it just i i have no words thank i am so grateful thank you so much that was to your mom not to you you didn't I do know. anything but i know <laughs> i did nothing and i'm glad that she'll hear it because she listens she's like she'll call me on my like she'll sometimes call me on the walk she's like alex i'm listening to your podcast right now oh i love that well, yeah. hi, hi nancy yes. thank you <laughs> i love it Yes. My cousin was the same thing. He was like, uh, he's like, I got one of my friends to start listening to your podcast. I was just walking around my neighborhood. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just listening to a co- like my cousin's podcast. And they told him <laughs> about it. He was like, I'm going to start listening. I'm like, cool. Thanks. That's wonderful. Yeah. We, we love a new me listener. all kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah. We always welcome new listeners. Oh, yeah. Uh, never, t- never turned one away. Welcome. Have a seat. Can I get you something to drink? Yeah, come hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> also, email us. We right. love we love the interaction or add us. Right. Or they don't call it adding; they call it tagging. But yeah, 
I said adding for some Get reason. Get at me. Yes. Well, yeah. Love, love new listeners. Yes, yes. But yeah, that was that was my like large piece of excitement this week. Um, uh-huh. I'm trying to think other than that. I made a vision board. I love that. You were talking about it before we started recording. It's one of my favorite things to look at now. I didn't think I was going to, I th- I thought I was going to have to like make myself look at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I have it in a space like where it's like, if I'm in my bed, like I can see it. Yeah. And it just brings me joy. Like I look over at it and I'm like, oh, my vision board life is so beautiful. Like not that I, I am grateful and like this yeah. life is pretty good. I've, I've lucked out. I've had a lot of wonderful yeah. experiences thus far, but like. Man, building one's own like dream life onto a piece of paper feels really freaking good. It's I feel like it's one of those things and people are like, I've made a vision board. You're like, oh cool, Jan. Mm, like a vision board, nice. But it really is a helpful tool because it's mm-hmm. like identifying things that you want in your life that you can work towards mm-hmm. and then putting it on a display that you're gonna like like you said, you look at it every day. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like keeping your goals and dreams in the forefront. Well, you get it in your subconscious. I think yeah. I think it's a lot of the subconscious, too, of like, yeah, it really just kind of if you be, if you believe it, you start to see it. If you start to see it on a subconscious level, I think you're doing more for it, too. So I think like and nothing happens the way you're going to exactly plan it. That's you You have to right. know that first and foremost. But I think it does like I don't know. I think it rewires your brain to a certain degree in a, a very positive, good way. And like I definitely was somebody who was like. Oh, vision board. That sounds, that does sound cheesy, you know, before. Right. But don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. Like when I used to listen to RuPaul and Michelle Visage's podcast, they had, they talk a lot about like manifesting your dreams mm-hmm. and kind of like, um, a lot of famous people do. And I yeah. think there's something to that, <laughs> to be honest. I, like RuPaul always is like, I can't remember the quote exactly, but it's kind of like the manifesting is like, you have to tell the universe what you want. It's kind of like mm-hmm. if you want chicken nuggets, you got to tell someone you want like telling someone you mm-hmm. want chicken nuggets is going to increase your odds that you're just going to get chicken nuggets, you know? Yeah. Well, nobody's a, very a mind dumb reader. example, but like, what? no, that's a perfect example. They might come yeah. home with a cheeseburger, right? You don't want a cheeseburger. You want them chicken nuggets. You got to put out into the universe what you want, what you're looking mm-hmm. for. It's I. So I have two comments about that. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, I lost one of them. But comment number one. Yes. Is that when I was a, I was younger, my mom used to kind of say stuff to me sort of like that. But she'd be like, you got to put the um, like the emotions and feelings out that you want to get back. Like you got to put the yeah. essentially like the vibes out into the universe that you want to get back. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Because, you know, I was like a moody teenager or preteen or right, whatever. Right. And I did call her up like a few months ago and I was like, um, sorry, <laughs> I totally understand what you were trying to tell me then. Thank you so much for that. Oh, other thing, though. The ironic thing about making a vision board, though, is I almost got stressed out about it because I was like, what if I leave something I want off of it? And then I'm just like creating the wrong light. Like I got like really anxious about like doing it wrong, which there's no wrong. There is no wrong with a vision board. Secondly, you can add stuff or subtract like you can change it. It's not stuck. I mean, like ideally you make it and just sit with that one for a while and then make a new one like years later you know once yeah. a year or whatever you choose but you're not you're not stuck like you no. can modify and it's just a vision like 
I don't know why <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make one. I'm going to make one for like months. Yeah. And I was I think I, I just I was stressed that I would do it wrong. Just so ridiculous. But I get that. I get that like feeling of anxiety, though, because I'm I'd be the same way. Like, oh, am I doing this? This very objective thing that is just for me and like literally like in the grand scheme of things doesn't really matter. Like it's a nice Mm -hmm. tool and it's only for me. It's not like I'm turning this in for a grade or someone's going to see it and be like, wow, that's your vision board. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's hard to shake those feelings because like I feel like it's just like such a thing like that. You feel like there's just like criteria. I don't know. I'm thinking of like a school assignment now. But well, yeah, I mean, it could be like that, too. It's really there's so many different ways to make one, too. So like it's really up to you to choose the techniques and the methods and yeah, all that. I actually ended up I divided mine into eight different areas, (laughs) but they like one flows into another one. So there's no you don't see the division in the final product. Yeah. I just you like know. divided it before and wrote there and then kind of organized the pictures that way. But it's kind of nice. I do actually really like that because you can see where they flow. Yeah. A little bit. It's enjoyable and I like organization. So. Yeah. I'm I'm really into it. Good. I suggest. It's fun. Maybe I will. Maybe that's something I will do. You love soon. crafting. I do. Yeah. Um, it's a good craft project. Yes, that would be a good craft project. Maybe I'll do it with Jen because I feel like Jen would enjoy a vision board. Maybe. Yeah, I say do it. I didn't do a vision board this week, but I did do something else. Kind of. Well, um, I have (laughs) mystery. Such mystery. Yes, I may have found an outlet for my bond desires. Oh, okay. So I applied to like, have you heard about the bond contest that's going around? It's by absolutely not. Yeah, so like it's by this website called Nerd Bear. And yeah, I had never heard of them either, but like it was floating <laughs> around and it seemed legit. But they're having a contest right now where they'll pay you a thousand dollars to watch Ooh. all of the Bond movies. Bef- oh, yeah, like this is right up in 30 days. And I'm like, bitch, I already done that. And they're like, uh-huh. you have to fill out a simple worksheet. I'm like, honey, I've already done that. I literally sent a link to my Google form that I filled out after every. <laughs> movie i'm like this is what i've done already please pick me this will be good i am dedicated i have already done this without money right like i will do this i'll make it funny i'll make it informative Mm -hmm. please 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 pick me that's awesome yeah so uh i had fun filling that out because like you had to like say what like like why like what makes you a bond super fan like bond fan and i was like, like everything literally right, everything right like you're like i can't stop talking about bond i literally know i think i said like bond. i think i mentioned that like i don't always said this verbatim but i was like my friends are sick of me talking about bond i need an outlet <laughs> i i that would be lovely i am putting all the good vibes out there <laughs> yeah thank you mm-hmm. you'll have to keep keep uh us updated yes I don't the, the thing is is like it's not gonna be picked until April, so I can't wait to forget about it. No, that's I love applying to things and just forgetting about them or like thinking about it very minimally. Yeah. Or you're just kind like, of oh. like I think it's almost better to forget. So that way if mm-hmm. it, they don't pick me and they don't tell me, I just like like, oh yeah, there was that thing I did once. I guess I might have gotten it. Yeah, yeah. The worst is when you apply to something and like a year or two years later they're like 
just kidding. You didn't like, of course I didn't fucking get it. It's been like two years. Thanks, but no thanks. Right. Thank you Mm -hmm. for reminding me of the rejection. I got, so uh, I've been applying to jobs and it, not the beginning, beginning of the pandemic, but towards the beginning, I applied to this one and I did end up, you know, a while later getting a thanks, no thanks letter. But then like a month after that, I got a like, just kidding. We never hired for that position and we're taking it down for a while, but thanks for applying letter. It's like, huh, that one's interesting. Yeah. Thanks for that information that this position I applied to doesn't exist now. That's fantastic, I guess. Yeah. Oh, there's something else. I was like, I got to talk about this. But now I can't remember. Well, you're thinking real quick because we were talking yeah. about vision boards. Another use of the word vision. I finally watched WandaVision. Oh, that that totally sparked it because. So you, how much how caught up are you on WandaVision? I watched everything because I couldn't stop. I think that's why I was yeah. avoiding watching it is I like. I don't I didn't know much going into it and I don't want to say too much because I think anybody who hasn't watched it should go into it without knowing too much because I think it's like just fucking delightful that way. Yeah. But it, it's super clever and it's yeah. super interesting. And even if you're not like a MCU person, just the treatment and the way that they handled it and the writing. Yeah. Is chef's kisses all over the place because it's just so fucking clever and also just interesting i love what's her face uh cat dunning i didn't know she was in it and Kat i was like Dunnings. i don't know why that's so like in college either. we used to just say like that's how we used to say her name it was like oh you mean cat dunnings it's interesting um yeah that's our, i just that's think of red lipstick when i think of her because oh yeah she's got she so always good. has a bold red lip or she yeah. always has a bold lip. I feel well, like because she's her... got that like alabaster skin that's just like beautiful and porcelain and, and gorgeous. Lips. And then the like really dark, yeah, like, gorgeous hair. And then the yeah, the red lip just it just perfect look for her. She looks yeah. fantastic all the time. I feel like she knows her lane and she does her lane really well because I don't see her in much things because I like I don't know. I don't know. I just rewatched a show with her called Dollface. Uh, How it's was a that? Hulu show. I really, really liked it. It's weird, but I really enjoyed it. It's about a, like a girl who gets like broken up with in the first episode. And then uh, she has to like reacclimate herself with her female friends. And uh-huh. it's been like basically five years. So like they're a little salty at first. Like, what do you mean you want to hang out? Like, we ain't seen ya. Like, right. What right. are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like a vision of a cat woman that keeps talking to her. I don't know. Interesting. And when I say cat woman, I mean like cat human body okay but back to wandavision real quick yeah because i'm all caught up too low-key obsessed and also how did i not say katherine han i'm sorry also obsessed with katherine han same so good and seeing you really see her act in this sorry oh for sure and just say that the most recent episode we're not gonna say too much about it that's as ambiguous as i'm keeping it like and I'm, I think the next episode is the last one. I don't know if it's like it's probably like it's just a series, like a one-off series, right? There's probably not going to be a season two. Well, there might be. No, I think there's going to be a season two. Okay. There, they've, they've, they're. I think there's going to be season two. I, I thought there, I thought it was done. Right now. No, I think there's one more episode. Oh, I thought it was an eight episode. Oh shit. I don't know. I though. thought there was, was. Are there eight out? Because I only thought there were seven. There's eight out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. Shit. If, 
if I am correct, there will definitely be a, another season. So okay, and it's but done maybe so I'm not well. All up. It's yeah. done so well and makes sense. So if you haven't watched it, um, first of all, make sure you have a day because you need yeah, it. I watched the first six in one sitting. Luckily, the episodes aren't long. Yeah, they're like thirty-five minutes or something like that. They're under an hour. Yeah, whatever they are, but. Yeah, I I was like, maybe I'll watch like half of it today when I first sat down. I, I'm just I'm curious. I'm curious. And I was like, I can't stop. I knew this was going to happen. Well, you know what's unfortunate about it? Hmm. It dragged me into the MCU again and it's ruining my brand, honestly, because. Or is it enhancing it? It's a delight. It's no, I, I'm like not mad about it. Just the whole development of a universe is fascinating. Right. And like they I feel like they've just gotten so much better. So the last mm-hmm. two I remember watching were Deadpool, which I love Deadpool, but it's a very mm-hmm. different Marvel movie. Yeah, it's um, like tertiary. I mean, like it's part of it for sure, but it's like removed. And from I think it kind of takes of the piss out of a lot of superhero movies. I think that's the point is that it was no, supposed to be the anti superhero superhero movie. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I saw was Guardians of the Galaxy, which I was not a huge fan of. Oh, I like Guardians. I think it's my thing with Chris Pratt. I don't really like him. I mean, that's fine. And I don't mind that at all. Uh, I, yeah. Whatever. You know, Groot, though, it's, oh, it's yeah. the Groot for me. That's that's the only well, thing about Guardians that I like do love. Is yeah. Groot. Well, I saw Infinity War this weekend because oh, yeah. we were watching WandaVision and I was just like asking questions. He's like, well, mm-hmm. have you seen Infinity or Infinity War? I'm like. I literally haven't seen anything since Deadpool. He's like, hold the phone. We got to watch Infinity War. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, a Marvel movie. But then we watched it and I'm like, fuck, I'm so happy Civil or um, Endgame is out so I can go straight to it because I like, mm-hmm. it ends on such a cliffhanger. And now I'm just like mm-hmm. sucked back in. And mm-hmm. I, I also want to watch Black Panther because I saw Wakanda. I'm like, that mm-hmm. looks dope. Yeah, that's a good one. I have been sleeping on the MCU. I think my idea is i want to go back and watch all the avengers movies definitely those ones are bigger story arcs honestly too i would i would definitely um captain marvel i would suggest okay it's set in the 80s which is just i mean at that that i do love the 80s 80s setting yeah i will say if anyone's trying like let's watch dress probably nope i can't lose dinosaurs of the three things i don't fuck with because i lost space i lost superheroes now it's just dinosaurs Mm-hmm. And I don't see that one happening because I really just don't give a fuck about dinosaurs. Barney is the only one. And even him. Poor choice. Well, just I don't watch like obviously don't watch him anymore. But like as a child, I was obsessed. Apparently, What about the Flintstones? Uh, it's been so long since I've seen the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I like the Jetsons more. If like we're going. What about the Flintstones meet the Jetsons? Boom. Drop the mic. I don't know if I've ever seen one of my favorite childhood movies. Is it, it's not a live action, is it? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. The Flintstones movie. They had some live action Flintstone movies. Rosie O'Donnell plays um, uh, Betty. Is it Betty? Betty? Yeah. yeah. Betty and Barney, and then um, Fred and Wilma. Rick Moranis plays Barney. Um, yeah. Uh, John Goodman. Goodman plays Fred. Who's I can't Wilma? remember who Wilma. She's a notable person and I can see her face and her name is not coming to me. She's really good though. Oh, and then Halle Berry plays the, um, the, the secretary at work 
And then um, the guy. Halle Berry? Yeah. And the guy who played uh, Dale Cooper in Twin Peaks. I forget his name right now, too. He's awesome. And I love him. He plays the boss, the evil boss at work. Elizabeth Perkins played um, uh, Wilma. That name's not jumping out at me. But, it's not, but her face is familiar to me, but I can't think of yeah. anything. Now I'm like, now I'm also going to IMDb. It's not like, a HBO Max. I just looked. Ooh. So I might have to watch that. That is the bummer about getting the MCU is my Disney Plus subscription. Whoever I was mooching off of. Because like, I think I think it was like Ricky got a year free and that year must be up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Perkins. Okay. She was in Must Love Dogs. She was in Sharp Objects. Nope. Apparently she was in This Is Us. Glow. She was on a couple episodes of Curb. Okay, so she, I feel like she's one of those actresses that's just mm-hmm. been in a little bit of everything. So you've definitely seen mm-hmm. her, even if you don't know her name. Yeah, that's why I was like, her face is like very familiar to me. I yeah, can definitely see. I, and I get, I do, I get excited when I see her because I'm like, oh, I like that actress. But I, yeah, I would have never right known her name. But yeah, the Flintstones. It's not even like that. Go- no, it is. You know what? I'm not even going to be that person. It's iconic. Kyle McLaughlin, by the way, is the guy, the boss's guy who's from Twin Peaks that I couldn't remember his name. And I do love him because he was also in Portlandia. He played the mayor of Portland and it's great. Twin Peaks is going to come up again in this episode. I will say that. Ooh, we've got a lot of like TV and movie recommendations, which I think is a good thing because I personally sometimes feel like I'm running out of shit to watch. So it's good to have. It's been a weird year, though, as we all know. And um, it's just a little panorama. Uh, Pangea? Mm-hmm. Pangalorian? Is that a thing? Sure. We're living through a Pringle, baby. <laughs> a Panama. A Panera? Uh, Pomelo. Oh. A pomegranate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a real pineapple. Yeah. Uh, should we get into the story before we go on this, um plethora of p words we should definitely get into the story i'm assuming you're not sipping on anything interesting because i haven't seen it yet oh i am a little bit oh what you got what you got a pineapple juice and then part of a corona hard seltzer mango Ooh. yeah because i love pineapple juice i i haven't Those seen hard you, really seltzers you dropped off last week were so good the, the breakfast ones yeah yeah Right now, I'm drinking cold coffee with some like grounds in the bottom, so I'm setting that to the side for now. Fun. I have some cold coffee here too, so I'm 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 right there with you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So story time. Story time. So this week, uh, I actually revisited something I'd started a while ago, but I couldn't find much information because I also came across a little true crime. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and so I got I got to combine some something that I previously looked up with some true crime. Bump bump. <laughs> We're gonna start with have you ever heard of uh Baker's keyboard lounge? Yes, I drive by it all the time. I was gonna say you probably have because you're not super far away and Oh no, it's like right by my house. Yeah. And I know you need to take Livernoy Street that it is on to get many yes. places. Yes. Like your house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I always pass when I go to your house. Yeah. So Baker's opened in 1933 and it was opened by Chris and Fanny Baker. Originally, it was a beer and sandwich like lunchtime spot. You know, from the decor and whatnot, I could tell or I, that mm-hmm. like makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, it has been redone, obviously, yeah. since 1933. 
But in 1934, their son Clarence actually started booking jazz pianists and four years later, 1939, ended up taking over the place after, unfortunately, his father suffered from a stroke. Uh. Yeah. But at this time, 1939, Chris began to book some pianists from out of town, too. So like bringing in more. I only have to say pianists like one more time. It's very (laughs) difficult for me and I'm trying to be an adult about it. But he started booking some acts from out of town, too. So pulling in a little bit more. Some big pianists. Bigger pianists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. In 1952, he expanded the actual club and he remodeled it to the Art Deco style that it yeah. still primarily has today. Would It's kind of well known for like, I think even if you've never, which actually I haven't been in there and I'm bummed that, you know, uh, yeah. now is not the time, but I want to go at some point. But I, I even know there's a very iconic bar in there we'll talk about. Uh, the decor of in a second that I can see in my head just because it's yeah Iconic. it goes with it it goes with it yeah uh and by 1954 business I wrote was booming <laughs> uh so they were doing really really well in the 50s he had musicians playing the club almost nightly and due to income coming in from the entertainment the club's focus began to shift away from food service and began to become mostly about entertainment and becoming yeah. more of like a venue. Uh, a I place where know. you go to see pianists play. Yes. And I don't know at what point, because they do have food and they've got like a full menu. I've heard really good things about the wings and like the fried chicken there, for example. Ooh. Uh, and they've, I mean, they've got plenty more. They've got like all that, like they've got ribs and like they've got some mac and cheese and, you know, just like ugh, really good sounding food. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I don't know when they shifted from like sandwiches into to more of like the basically like soul food kind of variety foods. Because it didn't come up anywhere, oddly enough, in any of the the research. And I'm curious about that, Yeah, to be honest, like when they made that shift. And the club featured uh, a man named Art Tatum, who actually spent the last two years of his life playing there exclusively. And this man's last performance was also there. Uh, just a, a well-known performer. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of other well-known acts. We will get to kind of a list of them later, though. So... Word began to spread more and more and more famous, you know, musicians started requesting to perform there mm-hmm. and it became a standard stop on like the jazz circuit. Oh, yeah. And so Clarence installed some Italian tile into the club due to its high acoustic rating to just make it like phenomenal for acoustics. Yeah. And added a seven foot Steinway piano, which is large. It's a big piano. Yeah. And Steinway's like, I don't know. I'm not. A piano. This is not a piano podcast, but yeah. Uh, from what I understand, Steinways. There's Steinway, and then there's like some one. <clears throat> there's a company that starts with a G or something that's really good. It's kind of like like products like piano, like things that have been around for a minute. There's usually like mm-hmm. one iconic brand, like how Singer is kind of like Singer and so, Brother, yeah. the two big sewing machine. I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and Steinway definitely like fits that mold for pianos. Yeah. They also installed a piano shaped bar that is painted with keys on it. So that's what I was talking about. Yes. I will share a picture of that too because it's it's cute and adorable. Um, but it's also like it stuck out to people. So it became kind of yeah. well known. Uh, so it is known for its long history with jazz acts and the awesome acoustics in there and the Art Deco style. There's also a lot of Art Deco style Europe, uh, paintings of European cities and landscapes. Ooh. Mm-hmm. There is tilted mirrors above the performance area, so you can actually see the hands of the pianists. The pianist's hands? Yeah. (laughs) As they tickle the ivories? Yes. 
uh, it's also a pretty intimate club too, seating about 99 patrons. There could be 99 people in the room that don't believe in you. And there could be just one. There could also be 99 patrons, but uh, I got nothing, ain't one. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying. I tried. You're I tried. G- I just like, whenever anyone says 99 people, I always think the Lady Gaga acceptance speech. Oh, yes. Okay. There could be 99 people in a room. There could be. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I think. And then the burn to entertainers when... Lady Gaga said there could be 99 people in a room. You were shocked. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. That's good. I love it. Love the banter. Keep it coming. Yes. It makes it fun. Yes. Uh, uh, but modern jazz was actually becoming less common in the 60s. And the club's main music focus had to change. And it changed mm-hmm. to hot, hard bop. We love a hard bop. Yes. Has that come up before? I feel I think so. I think it came up in the Blue Ridden episode. OK, OK. I thought so. So, so just quick refreshers. It's yeah. a subgenre of jazz that's an extension of bebop. Yeah. Kind of a combo, I guess. In 1986, the club was actually designated as a historic site by the Michigan State Historic Preservation Office. And they stated, quote, Baker's Keyboard Lounge has significance as Michigan's jazz mecca and Detroit's oldest jazz club in continuous operation. Founded in May 1933 by Chris Baker as a restaurant and piano bar, the present jazz orientation of the club has been firmly in place since 1939. Baker's Keyboard Lounge has hosted the greatest names in blues and jazz since that date. Some of the musicians who played the club include Ella Fitzgerald, Miles Davis, Oscar Peterson, George Shearing, Sarah Vaughn, Joe Williams, Maynard Ferguson, Cab Calloway, Woody Herman, Modern Jazz Quartet, and Nat King Cole, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's a so big... They- yeah. Yeah, I've got even more names later, too, to be honest. I tried to cut it down and not repeat as much. But if I repeat some, I I apologize. That's okay. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, like just everybody played there. It it was people wanted to to play there, you know. Um, But unfortunately, in the 70s and 80s, popularity declined. Uh, A lot of, you know, jazz clubs experienced very similar issues around that time, too. It just it wasn't the main kind of thing anymore. And they actually almost closed several times. They Damn. were like, yeah, they got away, you know, not away, but they got by by just like a hair kind of a deal. Yeah. Uh, but they did make it through. Good. And in 1996, after owning the club for 57 years, Clarence Baker sold it to John Colbert and Juanita Jackson. OK. Uh, so the new owners found challenges with the decreased interest in jazz. Yeah. Basically, the population was also kind of like aging out. As far as yeah. like the main jazz listening population. And so they attempted to form some fundraisers and they focused more on local artists. So they weren't having to pull in like national acts as that can be more expensive. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And they tried to diversify the lineup to include R&B and even comedy. Love that. Yeah. I didn't know that they were a comedy club for a while. Um, So it seemed to work for a while. But then with everything that happened in like 2008 financially. Uh, Colbert was forced to declare bankruptcy by 2010. Damn. Many thought it would close, but fate said, no, 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 no. And not on today. Yes, not on today. And it was purchased in a bankruptcy sale in 2011 by Hugh W. Smith, the second. Oh, there's the second. We love someone who's a sequel. Yes. 
Uh, he had been managing the place for the past few years, and then he did so with a partner named Eric Whitaker, Senior Smith. And Whitaker promised to keep Bakers open only as a, well, not only, but as a jazz club. Mm-hmm. In 2016, the city approved the, to establish it as a historic district that prevents whoever uh, owns it from demolishing it or altering its exterior without explicit permission from the Detroit Historic District Commissions. Hell yeah. Yeah. So it will always look like that, you know, unless there's a really good reason, basically. Right. And it's actually the oldest operating jazz club in the world. Holy as shit. Yeah. As it's been operating for over a second, seven decades. Love that. I had no idea. Me like either. I knew it was like, like a club that like had. Yeah. But I didn't know it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I'll let you go. No, no, no. Yeah. It's really awesome. And I will say this. I think there might be a few out there who would dispute, you know, a few. There always is. It's like kind of similar situation from everything I read, though. It seems legit because I mean, even Right away, they had a piano and right away they had music in there and right away that music in there was jazz. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it and that was 1933 when it opened. Yeah. And honestly, I said over second de- decades, I'm pretty sure the math on that is about eight. So, yeah, cause if it's 33, that's 88 years. Yeah. So almost nine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously what I read was written a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, I did mention some acts, but I don't remember if these people were listed in there. I think Louis was, but Louis Armstrong played there, for example. Um, I, I do love Louis. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Coltrane, Fats Waller, Art Tatum, like I mentioned, Pat Flowers, Nat King Cole, Ella Fitzgerald, Anita Baker, Miles Davis, uh, Charles Mingus, and so, 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 so many other people played at this place or have played and continue. Yeah. However, some believe Baker's was the site of incident in 1954 that may credit Miles Davis to kicking his heroin addiction. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the story, there, there's a little pushback on it, too. But yeah. the story is told by some uh, man named Richard Jennings is that Davis was actually in town playing at the Bluebird. Callback. Hey, what? what? Bow, 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 bow. Um, and he was basically playing with the house band that night. Uh, but at some point during the evening and it was raining, he David stumbled into Baker's out of the rain, carrying a trumpet and a paper, his trumpet and a paper bag under his coat. He walked to the bandstand, interrupted the act on stage and began to play My Funny Valentine. Uh-huh. Then when he finished, he stumbled back out into the rain. And later he was apparently so embarrassed by this that it was essentially his rock bottom that made him uh, decide to get clean. Yeah, I wish. um the comedian, I can't remember who it was, but that comedian in New York who just like interrupted someone's set to do their own set. Like it was a, a well-established comedian. This is ringing some bells, but I don't know. I can't remember who it was, but I was like, I don't know if it was their rock bottom. And I think maybe it should have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's is different. So rude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you say that's so rude? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so rude to hit rock bottom. <laughs> I was How like, dare what? they? Uh, no, it is very rude. And I mean, nobody, nobody, anybody doing that, there's something going on with anybody doing that, Yeah. whether it's a rock bottom or something, they need some sort of support in some way. Yeah. Um, but I will say actually in, um, David, Miles Davis's autobiography, he states that he actually was requested to come and play with Max Roach and Clifford Brown, the people on stage, the act on stage, and that that wasn't what made him decide to get clean. So conflicting. So yeah. who knows? Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, that's his autobiography, but also I couldn't find information of what he attributes yeah. to to wanting to get clean. So it, I don't know. I don't know. It's but an interesting it's, story. One time Miles exactly. Davis came in with his trumpet in a bag and played My Funny yeah. Valentine. Uh, a couple other interesting just tidbits I couldn't fit in, in but I wanted to. Yeah. On 61, an unknown singer by the name of Barbara Streisand performed there. Babs. Mm-hmm. I do love Barbara. Don't uh, tell me not to live. Just sit and putter. Putter. Uh, bake. <laughs> I just want to sing more, and it distracted me. And then I was like, nope, I know. Nope. Reel it back in. Reel it back in. We can right do now. Barbara later. Okay, good. Uh, so the piano-shaped bar that I mentioned actually inspired Liberace to install his famous piano-shaped swimming pool in his Beverly Hills home. Oh. This place is iconic. Yeah. And now we get to the murder of Eddie Jefferson. (gasps) I forgot Mm -hmm. about the murder. A murder Mm -hmm. most foul. Yeah, it it really is. I'm not gonna lie, there's not it's a pretty straightforward situation, but you know, we'll get to it. Right. Uh, But we are, of course, uh, we're gonna attribute some time to Eddie as well. So Eddie Jefferson, uh, who was a, a jazz singer. We'll okay. get more to that in a second. But he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on August 3rd, 1918. Uh, as early as high school and maybe even earlier, he was actually studying many instruments already. And his dad was actually a vaudeville performer, which mm-hmm. probably kind of attributed to his interest in show business yeah. from an early age. He started as a tap dancer, but then in the late 40s and 50s, he started moving more towards songwriting and singing. Uh-huh. And he... Was more than likely married a few times, but I couldn't find a lot about his personal life other than I did find somebody's college essay <laughs> about him. Uh, and it seemed they had their sources. They cited their good. sources. Yeah, They cited their sources and I'm going to cite them. So uh, he was probably married a, a few times. And according to uh, a man named James Moody, Moody, uh, another you know jazz person, um, he remembered a nephew and, and a wife stating, quote, I know the woman he married had children. He got married a couple times. The one I know was from Omaha. So he had a wife from Omaha at some point. Uh, It was also determined he had a brother and Richie Cole, who he would play with later in life and become a large part of his act. He stated, quote, I remember spending one Thanksgiving working at Crawford's Grill one year and he took me over to his family's house. I don't know. There were cousins and aunts and uncles. They were all related. There were so many in this house that we had to eat Thanksgiving dinner in three shifts. Oh, yeah. That food was out of sight, man. <laughs> uh, so big family. Uh, yeah. Eddie, he had a very memorable voice, too. He, it wasn't necessarily the most soothing, we'll say. Yeah. And there is a lot of recordings available, but it was a very specific voice. Like he made his voice his voice. He kind of um, I read that there was a certain nasal quality when I was listening to it. Maybe you can hear that a little bit, but he definitely has a distinct raspiness mm-hmm. to his voice. He actually ended up developing and pioneering a singing style called vocalese, which is his like big contribution to the the history of jazz. And this is uh-huh. where a singer puts words to some faster jazz melodies that were formerly written purely for instrumental purposes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1952, he wrote a song called Moody's Mood for Love, mm-hmm. which uh, Moody was the man who 
from the quote up above, another uh, jazz musician. And the melody came from an improvised solo by jazz by I <laughs> I think I was trying to say saxophone, but I wrote cacophonies. Cacophonies. I don't think that's a real word. But anyway, James Moody had done a solo uh-huh. of on in 1949 recording a 1935 song called I'm in the Mood for Love. Uh-huh. A, a song that a lot of people knew. Yeah. And Moody and Jefferson recorded their own adaptation on a 1956 album that they called Moody's Mood for Love. Uh-huh. And singer Eddie Jefferson's career was on the rise when he stepped into Baker's in early May of 1979. He had been working for decades on his career and he was finally starting to see some breaks and he hooked up with saxophonist Richie Cole, who was kind of like he was a little bit of a mentor to Richie. Richie was like a quite a bit younger than him uh, in 1979. Eddie Jefferson was uh, 60 years old. And I want to say Richard Cole was probably or Richie Cole was probably like 30 or something like that. Yeah. Two weeks before they ended up at Baker's, they were recording what would later be considered basically like Eddie's best tracks ever. Yeah. He had also recently played at the White House for then President Jimmy Carter. And he even packed. Yeah. He even packed Carnegie Hall in the same year alongside Sarah Vaughn. Nice. And also, I know it sounded like the last thing before we get to the bulk of it, but it's not because in the same year, Mayor, uh, then Mayor Coleman Young gave him the key to the city. Nice. Yeah. So what I love Eddie. Like the key to the city is such a weird honor, you know. Do they do that anymore? I've never heard I've heard of know. it in history, but I've never heard like a person now getting the key to the city. I think it's become just like a trope, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, they did a good deed, they get a key to the city. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I always but, like the gag where it's like a chocolate key or something. Yeah. I don't know why. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just like what like also just like the key to the city like is there just like a lock like is there like a Detroit city lock that that unlocks yeah but no 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 yeah I just I don't understand why it's a key I mean I guess it's just like I think it's just such a weird tradition I just had to call it out oh thank you please do yeah it's a very weird tradition and it's just like more stuff yeah tell me I'm excellent that's great please do I would love that but like Maybe something a little bit more useful would be a pre- like. Give me a gift card to Trader Joe's. Yeah, from the city. Maybe it comes. W- maybe it's a key to Trader Joe's. That maybe would it's be like a universal key. You just open beautiful. up Trader Joe's, and it's like, okay, this is the key to the city. I opened it up. I'm gonna go do all my trading of Joe's. That would be beautiful. By the way, their queso dip is phenomenal. Just oh yum. <laughs> Side note. Anyway, Eddie. Yeah. In May of 1979, he was actually opening up a nationwide tour at Baker's. So that was the first stop. Yeah. And the place was just packed to the brim. Would you say there was 99 people in the room? Maybe even 100. Maybe they <sighs> squeezed an extra in. That's a, over their max capacity. Hello, mm-hmm. police. I'm kidding. Yeah. Fire marshal. <laughs> so Clarence Baker, who was the owner at the time, he said Eddie seemed a bit preoccupied during the performance and even cut it a bit short. And it was just like something was a little bit off and weird. Yeah. And he seemed like kind of jumpy. And later people would question if he kind of knew something was up. Yeah. And around. I mean, that's one, what it sounds like. Yeah. Around 1.30 in the morning, he and this is May 8th, uh, around 1.30 in the morning, he stepped out the front door with his manager and a female friend. 
they were waiting for a cab. He was getting a cab. And this within a few minutes, Richie Cole and then a fan actually stepped outside and joined them too. So this group was, you know, standing around waiting. This is when they heard something that Eddie at first questioned as being a car backfiring. Uh-huh. That's when they noticed a green Lincoln Continental coming by and it had previously been parked in the parking lot like all night, but yeah. now it was driving by. A man leaned out the passenger window and fired four shots at Eddie. Uh, some say the third one hit. At least one of them did hit. And Eddie yeah. then staggered about 25 feet down into an alley and collapsed on the ground. Damn. Yeah. They got him with a drive by. Yeah. Like horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Did and they ever it, figure out who and why? Well, yeah, I'm I actually jumping ahead. I'm just, have just, I a, no, know. no, you're fine. There's a little bit more information for sure. Yeah. Later that night, police actually did arrest a suspect who was either or guided them to. I think it was the actual person, but I saw a couple different stories. And as it turned out, this man had known Eddie from over a decade earlier. And Eddie might have even fired him from a job as this man was a tap dancer. So some sort of. Yeah. <laughs> A murder and tap dancer. Murder and tap dancer. Tapping his way all the way to the big house. Uh-huh. And something that he might have even still been trying to work with Eddie and kind of denied or something like that. But either way, he was a little salty about yeah. something to do with his hand dancing career. And his name was, I'm going to do my best to pronounce it, but and then I'm going to say he's got two names. One of them, I think, is the stage name. And then one's his actual name. His actual name was Amir Almit Muyahid. Uh-huh. And it said formerly known as William Perryman. He was frustrated because his dancing career at this point had been over for a second. And he also had gotten laid off from a factory job. Damn. Yeah. He was taken in that night. And within a, several months, there was a trial. It lasted for about three weeks. However, there are no charges stuck. And the jury gave a verdict of not guilty. I'm assuming they only had circumstantial evidence. Yeah. Other than it seems like there were witnesses. So I am like a little confused about that. Yeah, because he was out, like they didn't kill everyone who was outside with Eddie. Correct. And there was at least at least two to four other people outside in this scene. I don't know where everybody was. Sta- you know, I don't have the very specifics of the scene or anything like that, because it would matter where they're standing, how well they can see this person. And yeah, it seemed that the person was in the car alone from most of the accounts that I read. But yeah, there no other suspect has ever been named. And that's basically it. Eddie died May 8th, 1979. Baker's. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a rough go. Fucking drive by. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's terribly tragic. And for what? You know, like that person right. was mad or upset about something. But like for what? Your tap dancing career didn't take off. I right. Mean, that sucks and I'm sorry, but shooting this guy's not gonna help your tap career. In fact, I think it actually did the opposite. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it definitely didn't help. <laughs> yeah. Um just tap if you love it. Right. Just just do it anyway. Tap for the love of tap. Yeah, exactly. I've talked about taking tap classes entirely too many times and have never taken a tap class. Do it. It's a really good exercise, first of all. So like that's there's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, taken in his prime, starting this like the biggest tour, just gaining reputation. This other person was probably salty and didn't like that because jealous. Yeah. Here's the thing about it. It's okay to be jealous to a certain extent because like you can't like just stop it. It's an emotion for sure. 
but it's how you process it. So what you do is you say, okay, I'm jealous. Why am I jealous? It's not really, I'm jealous of that person. It's I'm mad at myself because I'm not working in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like it's, you just have to process it. Just Uh, don't let it eat you. Yeah. On a recent episode of their web show, Trixie and Katya, like Trixie started, um, like jealousy is a disease, bitch. Get well soon. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and that's it too, though. If yeah, because yeah. if you do just let it sit there, you will be jealous more and more often of more and more people and more and more things, right. and then you just become a bitter, a bitter bitch. Not even bitch anymore at that point. Just yeah, because a bitch can be awesome. A bitch can be bitch, but like right, but a bitter bitch. Yeah, a bad bitter bitch. A BBB. Yeah, B three. Not Bed Bath & Beyond. Bad Bitter Bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No scented candles here. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> um, no. Just salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So really quick, though, my sources are the official Baker's Keyboard Lounge.com. Of course, our good old friend Wikipedia. Blood on the Mint and Infamous Michigan Murder, 1700 to Present by Tom Carr. The, t- the paper that I wrote, or I read from, that I wrote... <laughs> The paper that I wrote, I did not. Uh, Eddie Jefferson, August 3rd, 1918 to March 25th, 1979. The Father of Vocalese by Aaron T. Hill. And on the Library of Wayne State, there there was a short article. Yeah. What? Uh, I love the paper one. I think it's my favorite source. Where did you even find it? Like, was it just on a website somewhere or like? Yeah, but you know, so... Sometimes because we are looking for some very niche. Yeah, you got to take what you can get. You got to take what you can get and you got to dig a little deeper. Like you got to you got to just keep clicking through, even though you might get 17 things in a row that are the same little blurb about a person. Do you know what I mean? Like on websites. So I just kept going and then and, you know, I check each one. But then I was like, okay, this is a paragraph. It's not going to have anything new. Yeah. And then I stumbled on one that was like a dot edu something, something with all these. Oh yeah. Which is why I read the name of the paper rather than the website it's from. Cause yeah. Cause it was probably like just stored on some school's website. Really mm-hmm. just Google SEO was just mm-hmm. working overtime. What I should have written down is the professor's name was also because <laughs> <laughs> it was a school paper. So it was like, Written by such and such with professor such or for professor such and such. Um, yeah. Yeah. But good job, um, Aaron T. Hill. You you did. You passed our yeah. class. You passed our class. I would say, well, I definitely think we should add uh, Bakers to our list of places to go once the world opens back up. Yeah, I would love to. I've never really been in like a true, true jazz club. So I think I'm like a little intimidated because I'm like. Yeah. Am I cool enough? Like, I, you, oh, I, I know. I, I think yeah. the same thing. But like, if we go together, yeah, we should be able to be cool enough together that we could pay the cool toll mm-hmm. to get into the jazz club. And again, I really want to try the chicken just because I forget yeah. who told me, but I know I've, one or two people have told me like, oh, you need to go there and eat the chicken. I was like, okay, I mean, you don't have to tell me twice. Exactly. Do you see that Taco Bell is making a chicken sandwich taco? I don't know what that means, but no, I didn't see that. It's just like a crispy piece of chicken and like a flat bready kind of taco shell with like fixins. Why did they get rid of the shredded chicken burrito and replace it with that? Yeah, I know. I'm I mean, not excited about they're just that. they're testing it in Tennessee right now with it to come to the rest of the country soon. I don't want that there. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so upset at it, but I'm like, no. I'll probably try it, but I don't think it'll be the tea. 
Like, no. I don't think it'll ever be my order. Can we do a Crunchwrap Supreme with some chicken, please? Yeah, I'd be very I like the black. I like the black bean one, but it is messy sometimes because oh, it's yeah. like adding... The, the black beans are not the same consistency as meat and so it just the consistency is different it's good yeah it's delicious it's messy yeah this has been taco bell update corner you can count on us yes <laughs> well great job i like really happy to know more about bakers because like i said i do drive by it all the time and i'm like i should mm-hmm. like make an effort and now i don't have to because you made the effort and I love that. You're welcome. No, I know. Yeah. Thank you. That's the benefit of this podcast is like every once in a while, one of us has a topic. I'm like, oh, I've been so interested in that, but didn't think. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those days for me. That happens a lot. Or just like something completely new, like your Detroit Stars thing. I, I've never come across that information and it was really yeah. fascinating to hear that. So like, I like it for both reasons of like something right. I've never thought about. And then, yeah, something I've been like, oh, that place. Yeah. So I decided to do my two truths and a lie about Mm -hmm. the Legend of Zelda series because it's just celebrated its 35th anniversary. Okay. Have you played any Zelda games? A million years ago and not very much. Okay. Ocarina of Time. (laughs) That's my favorite. Ocarina? Ocarina. Yeah, Ocarina of Time. I say Ocarina. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's right. but um, Growing up. My friend, my parents had an acquaintance who made ocarinas and I thought he said ocarina, Uh-oh. but then I don't know because I've also heard ocarina. Um, yeah, I mean, Renaissance Festival. Let's let's be yeah, legit here. This was a neighbor at the Renaissance Festival who made them. And, you know, so I was like nine years old and I was taking my ocarina to school and like, guys, where's yours? I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. Did, did you actually know how to play the ocarina? Like, could um, you play a little things bit. He had like a little booklet thing or whatever that kind of talked about. I mean, it's just four holes. Yeah. It's a really unadvanced recorder. So basically. And we know how I love a recorder. <laughs> so I guess like kind of, but not. I mean, I wouldn't like pick one up today and like make something nice come out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that there are, I think they're kind of just kind of hard things to play. Really? The bus is just to blow into it and like move your fingers really fast. So it's like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, just like all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, here is my Legend of Zelda Two Truths and a Lie. Yes, please. Okay. Fact number one Link is based on the character Robin Hood. Okay. Fact number two. Princess Zelda gets her name from F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife, Zelda. Fact number three. The game in the series called Link's Awakening is based off of the show Twin, Pink, Twin Peaks. I'm going to go with number... This is hard. Uh, I have no idea. I'm just going arbitrarily with number one. That is correct. Um Wait, correct? Uh, like, I, it's the that lie. Is, that is the false one. That okay. is the lie. Because uh, he was actually based, he was kind of based on the Disney character Peter Pan. Kind of young, elfish. That makes more sense. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I like tried to like stay in the lane of Peter Pan. I'm like, Robin Hood's kind of close. No, that was pretty good. And like, I d- that was more of like a gut feeling, but I had no reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Number two was true that Zelda got her name from F. Scott Fitzgerald's wife. F. Scott Fitzgerald's Lovely. a 
the author of Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had another fun fact that Robin Williams, in turn, named his daughter after Princess Zelda. So Robin Williams has a daughter Aww. named Zelda. Oh, yeah. By the way, there is because there is a strain of TikToks going around. They're like, do you have any nice celebrity stories? And all of them are about Robin Williams. I believe that. I can see that. He seems like such a delight. I turn into like a puddle. <laughs> it's I, so like, beautiful. He, I'm glad we have a lot of fond memories of Robin Williams and yeah. nothing tragic has surfaced. I don't think anything will with him, knock on wood. No, I he mean, every, every count is just a yeah. gem of a human. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, get into this Twin Peaks thing, though, because. Yes, yes, yes. I'm invested. So the game Link's Awakening, which I believe was a Game Boy game. I'm not oh, 100% wow. positive, or at least originally. I'm going to mm-hmm. just type it in real quick. Okay. Not mm-hmm, curious. Mm-hmm. They just actually remade it for the Switch, it looks like, too. Oh. But um, let me see. Re- yeah, so it was originally a 1993 Game Boy game. And the game developer, or like the game creator, who is not Shigeru Miyamoto for this one. Shigeru Miyamoto, he's the one who created both. He created Donkey Kong, Super Mario, and Zelda. He's like the brain behind all three of those. Okay. But this so particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This particular game, though, not him, but. Whoever it was, I forgot to write down their name, but so like this came out early 90s and that's when like Twin Peaks was popular and the creator liked the idea of a drama in a small town with a small amount of characters and kind of wanted to try and apply that to the Zelda model and see like what they could come up with. So interesting. Yeah. And what it's a what, model to choose, though. Is it what? like as like, is it as twisty turny as Twin Peaks? Like, is it like. Is it the town that's modeled or is it like storyline also kind of semi? I don't know. Like, cause I've okay. never, I haven't seen either to be honest. Like, so I haven't seen Twin Peaks and I haven't played this game. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. But fair. I am, I like, I'm more interested now, especially cause there's a switch remake. Mm-hmm. I could pick it up with like, in like kind cause some of the older Zelda games are kind of harder to play. Mm-hmm. I would suggest you if you ever watch Twin Peaks, just don't watch the 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 reboot the new stuff. Yeah, I mean it's you can it won't make any sense. Yeah, the original also is interesting. We'll say, but I I love that one, and there's a lot of good reference material that comes out of it. It's one of those shows I like hear about every once in a while, mm-hmm. and like it sounds good, but like I also don't know a ton about it, so maybe it'll be on my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dale Cooper is awesome. Nice. Cal McLaughlin. <laughs> um, Sorry, I did not mean to no. drive away. I just wanted to mention that. No, I was just thinking about Kyle McLaughlin when we talked about Twin Peaks. He was in that show. And it's funny because he was in that and he was also in Sex in the City. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he was What's-Her-Face's first husband. Yeah, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But like my point of ref- my first point of reference with Kyle McLaughlin was uh, Brie Vandicap's second husband on Desperate Housewives. Oh, my first one is still the Flintstones movie. Is he in that too? Yes, I said that earlier. Yeah, he's oh, the duh. boss. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's yeah. why we started talking about him. Kyle McLaughlin. He's Fred's boss. Crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> or at least he was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. No, he still does stuff. Yeah, no. He, yeah. Like, he's always yeah. crushing it. Always crushing Matt it. Kyle. We're not a Kyle McLaughlin podcast, but we're not not a Kyle McLaughlin podcast. But are we? Maybe we are. (laughs) But I think that that probably wraps us. 
I think you're right. I think now's the time of the show where I tell you about our social medias. If you want to find us on any of them, it's Detroit Strange on Facebook, at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to email us, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say that we are wrapped up like a new Zelda game. Yes. Shrink wrapped and all. Yes. Being shipped out into the world. Yes. And, you know, we would love it if we would subscribe, rate, review. Especially we got a contest going on with the reviews. And we're extending it through March 7th because we didn't promote it well. And so we would love if you would leave us just a little review. Yeah. So like go out there, give a review and you can win some cool stuff. Yeah, we're just going to like draw a name from my hat style kind of thing. And we'll uh, have you get in contact with us and give you some options of stuff. Yeah. So hopefully you have gone to wherever the review is right now. And if you're not, I'll give you a second. You can get there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you need help, just let us know. You know, we'll help you find it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're here for. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But if you want to just buy your own merch because you're like. I just want all the things you can go to threadless.detroitstrange.com or detroitstrange.threadless.com. That yeah. one. Or if you don't want anything, you just want to give us money, go to patreon.com. Detroit or Strange. digital goods. That's di- you get digital goods through Patreon. There are, yes, there are digital goods. And if you just want to give me money, let me know and I'll give you my Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> da- lots of options for you listeners. Yeah. Lots of options. <laughs> but most importantly, just keep listening. Yeah, yeah, that's what we like the most. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Yeah, and I think until Until next next time, time, stay stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sex and Violence.